0: And good morning here on the Fuzzy Logic program, Your Science on a Sunday. Now, Rod's tip to happiness is don't learn to recognize weeds because every time I turn around, I discover another type of weed. And the list is endless. We've got uh, gamba grass, serrated tussocks and John's word, African love grass, bamboo, buffalo grass, uh, privet, uh, three-corner jacks. I keep finding three-corner jacks in my bicycle tires. Oh, they're driving me nuts. I've picked so many flat tires. Uh, Lantana, firethorn, and savillium, which is the thing that grows in the waters up in Northern Territory, and uh, blackberries. But what if one of those weeds is actually good and we want something from those weeds? How about the prickly pear? A famous part of Australian history, the 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 struggle with prickly pear. Well, I guess today on fuzzy logic actually has quite a fondness for prickly pear, <laughs> and she's smiling, which is a nice start. And uh, good morning, Caroline Gowals. uh Welcome to Fuzzy Logic. Good morning.
1: Good morning. I'm very excited to talk about my precious little prickly pear.
0: <laughs> well, there's nothing quite like it. And actually, Caroline, you've brought some into the studio. And uh, shortly, we're going to be trying some of this. I'm I'm really looking forward to it. Absolutely, I yeah. I don't think I've ever actually eaten prickly pear.
1: It's delicious. It's very hard to not eat my samples. <laughs> uh,
0: how often do you uh, have it yourself?
1: Um, Well, it's a seasonal fruit, so when it's in season, all day, every day. Um, but we've worked on a number of conditions, or drying conditions, juicing conditions, jams, all sorts of things at the University of Canberra, so that we can have it year-round. Um, so in winter, I have prickly pear porridge.
0: <laughs> do, you, do you have it with your cereal? How do you eat it? Uh,
1: I like it fresh. I put in smoothies. We've made a couple of jams with it, so it's very good because it comes in lots of different colours, so white, orange and purple. Um, but in season, I kind of have it with my fruit and yoghurt in the mornings.
0: <laughs> I should say that you're doing a, your PhD on the topic of mm. uh, uh, prickly pears. Yeah, super nerd on it. <laughs> yeah, at the University of Canberra and their nutritional benefits.
1: Absolutely, yeah. Uh,
0: absolutely. Before we get into that though uh, there's quite an interesting history to the prickly pear, right mm, and yeah. uh, you were telling me a little bit about that before we came on air where Where does it come from?
1: So the prickly pear is actually native to central Latin America, and in that region it's used as all sorts of resources, so it's a low resource intensive crop as a cacti, so prickly pear is the fruit that grows on the cacti, Um, and in those regions it's used as a source of food, traditional medicine, hedge plants, natural dye, all sorts of stuff, so um, because it's so useful, it's also been brought into other regions like Europe and Africa, so it's got really strong history in Italy, Spain as well, it's Uh, pretty cool.
0: (laughs) Yeah, you've got a little container of it on the desk in Mm, front of you there. Yeah and uh, as I say we're going to try uh, eating it uh, on air soon. Actually it reminds me of being in the ABC studio and they brought out uh, prawns and olives and stuff like that <laughs> and, and, and the host, uh, I can't remember his name was, uh, we we're all charring down <laughs> this stuff uh, Let's just describe what the prickly pear plant looks like. You said it's a cactus, right? Yes yeah, so yeah.
1: My research is in the Opuntia cacti, so Some listeners will be shaking in their boots. Devil cacti, they'll say. (laughs) Um, So it's a green cacti, and it's like a round cacti pad that grows on top of other cacti pads. And on these pads, there's pretty large spikes on them, and they have the fruits growing on the top of the round cacti paddle. Um, So the fruits come in white, orange, purple... Um, for the listeners at home, it kind of looks like one of those uh, dragon eggs from Game of Thrones, <laughs> uh, <laughs> just a little one.
0: <laughs> uh, but they, they, the cactus, the what do they call those segments? They're not really leaves, are they? They, they
1: mm, the, yeah. the,
0: the succulent green with a sort of the waxy surface, right?
1: Absolutely, yeah. So in uh, various countries, they have different names for them. Uh, the the common one is the cladode. So just a weird sounding name, cladode. It's Clidode. the leaf, yeah.
0: C L I C
1: L A D O D E. So cladode. yeah, okay,
0: yeah, yeah. Mm.
1: So it's almost got the texture of, I guess, well, structure of aloe vera. Yes, it's pretty cool, um, and the like the goo inside is used in paints and it's used um, as a glue as well.
0: You mean the, so the cool, fruit, yeah. inside the plant itself, not in the fruit?
1: Yes, so in the leaf. So the leaf's also edible as a, a vegetable. Really? So um, many of the reg- uh, In Mexico, a lot of people actually stir fry it and you can buy it pre-chopped up in the supermarket. It's really cool. <laughs> so oh. it's a really, really useful crop.
0: Uh, oh, well, stay tuned to mm. Fuzzy Logic with Caroline gals uh, and for more culinary tips on <laughs> prickly prickly pear yeah let's but, eat it <laughs> Okay, I, I'd love to try so I, I presume you've eaten the body of the plant right? Yes and wh- how did you find it?
1: ooh um, crunchy Crunchy. Crunchy. Let's go with crunchy. Yeah, yeah. Was it, you, in, it's, it's like a vegetable, like capsicum almost, where you can stir fry it or do all sorts of things to it. Okay. Yeah.
0: So crunchy in the raw state. Could mm. you eat it
1: raw? I'd say so, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I have. have? <laughs> I'm still living. <laughs> um, so, yeah, so it's used in salads, stir fries, sautéed, boiled. It can be turned into a mash as
0: really? well. Yeah. yeah.
1: But my research is more in um, prickly pears, so the fruit and in what I fruit. can do with it. Yeah, I oh,
0: know, I'm just fascinated by this plant, so I, oh I really wanted to, to explore a bit more. It
1: is a, a wonder plant.
0: <laughs> well, you mentioned aloe vera, and mm. so it's got a bit in common. Do you know where aloe vera I presume, comes from? I presume it's from another uh, arid region.
1: I'm not too sure, actually, yeah. But um, that, that's
0: used for cosmetics and stuff like that. Absolutely, that, you can
1: yeah? consume aloe vera as well. Um, but due to like the cacti's characteristics, yeah. so um, it's similar to a succulent like an aloe vera um, or other similar plants, it's made for really hardy, drought-resistant regions yeah, or yeah. drought-stricken regions. So it doesn't
0: like too much water.
1: Yeah, so that's what's so appealing about this cacti and the prickly pear. It doesn't require pretty much any maintenance it doesn't require that much water. You don't have to maintain it. I think that's what's so attractive about it, I but know. also why people don't like it.
0: <laughs> yes, well, it's got a major, a big part of Australian history, which I'll go into in a, in a moment, but I still want to talk more about the plant mm. itself. Uh, when I was driving across from Brisbane a few weeks ago and coming into Coonabarabra, and there's a lot of it growing on the road mm-hmm. verges and so on, I presume it doesn't need uh, any fertiliser,
1: right? No. You you can love it by neglecting it. It's one of those kinds of plants. <laughs> um, but, I, again, I think that's why it's so attractive or why we should really utilise this as a crop.
0: Well, it, it's an opportunity, and we're going to talk more about that uh, as as we go through. Absolutely. What you can do with it. I, I'm trying to think of other introduced species that... Uh, That we have in Australia there is such a big issue and I rattled off a list of weeds before but we've got European wasps and cane toads but if we can do something useful with them get some value out of them, Hmm. why not? Have you ever eaten uh, rabbit?
1: No. <laughs> well, those, it's uh, Easter Sunday.
0: <laughs> well, those big ears, oh, especially being Easter. And
1: we don't eat Easter bunnies.
0: <laughs> well, they twitchy little noses and their big fluffy Oh, my gosh,
1: and their sweet little ears. Uh, yeah. But I do understand that it affects the Australian environment and we do need to respect that. Yeah, um, mm-hmm. but yes. But also, they're adorable. <laughs> uh,
0: yes, yes. Well, I guess the prickly pear and the rabbit have a lot in common, and uh, blackberries too. Mm, yeah. Blackberries are incredibly invasive, a very aggressive species. Right through the Snowy Mountains region, you see great swathes of creeks and hillsides being smothered by the stuff.
1: Absolutely, yeah. Now,
0: now I just want to go back to something you said about the cactus, or cacti, plural, double-I at the end, right? Uh, it grows on a pad, you said Mm. what what did you mean by that
1: so the cacti leaf is shaped like a round chopping board if you will Mm. and it sits upright and instead of having branches it grows another cacti pad from the other cacti pad and eventually you just have this i guess collage of leaves that grow prickly pears on them
0: Ah. So, so it's a really segments.
1: interesting look, yeah.
0: <laughs> and when, when is it one of those plants that when you chop it up if you leave a bit on the ground that it'll sprout again?
1: Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So asexually reproductive plant.
0: <laughs> Poor plants. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I guess that's one reason why it was so hard for the landowners to eradicate.
1: Absolutely.
0: And and it and it propagates from the fruit as well, right? Um, no?
1: I'm not, not too sure, sure about that. that. I, I uh, would you, say you'd the lead, assume yeah. so
0: because the fruit, uh, the plants put out the fruit, so the some animal will pick it up, mm. eat it, and then yeah. drop it somewhere.
1: Yeah. So the fruit does contain seeds. So I guess you'll
0: well, uh, well, uh, maybe maybe you could pass over. Oh
1: yes, absolutely. Uh, just put a little piece
0: seeds, on the on the lid top, there, and I can have a closer look. Now I'm going to get uh, the lovely red dye all over my fingers here, <laughs> and I'm getting a struggle from the two X management
1: because
0: mm-hmm. I want to see, and I can put my glass on, peer intently this thing through mm. here.
1: So, at the moment, I'm passing Rod a now purple what, prickly what, pear flesh, and it contains seeds. You do have to be the there the are, body are seeds of the flesh. in there. Have um, you
0: have you skinned it?
1: Yes, Take I have. You have. No prickles.
0: The prickles, are they the little fine ones? Absolutely. Yeah.
1: So the fruit is covered in a really tiny, almost invisible hair. And you can just grab a glove or a tea towel and you can wash it under the sink and rub it gently and the prickles are gone. Right. So... When you, are, when you aren't being careful, the prickles do go through two pairs of lab gloves.
0: <laughs> and um, I'm, I'm, I'm guessing...
1: I'm an expert extractor. <laughs> You've
0: spent a lot of time pulling prickly pear prickles yes, out of your Yes, but you
1: learn quickly. Out of your,
0: out of your, <laughs> out of your fingers. Mm. Okay.
1: So have a piece. It's very okay, delicious. Okay, right. Here we go. Yeah.
0: One here. I'm going to, I've never done this in the studio mm. before. I'm going to eat the piece. Okay, so it's a beautiful rich red. It looks a little bit like uh, beetroot.
1: Yes. So it has similar compounds to beetroot. So um, some of the compounds we're studying at UC in my PhD is the betalain. So it's a brightly, it's a compound that's responsible for brightly colored red, orange, and yellow uh-huh. compounds. And it um, has all sorts of effects. So some of the common ones within the literature that's reported is antioxidant or um, anti sclerotic effects. So kind of... Working on your cardiovascular disease risk factors, so lipids. Um, okay, in I, I, your blood. I'm going
0: to hold you off the yeah. actual uh, nutritional aspects of the food, but well, yeah. I'm, I'm going to try to take it, smells not as strong, mm. slightly like a, an apple.
1: Yeah, a or cucumber-y cucumber.
0: Sort of apple, and um, oh. <laughs> And it's got little round seeds, like about the size of peppercorns, maybe a bit smaller.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: No, I'm going to fish one out and have a closer look at it. So I'm going to start sprouting prickly pears. Now, I presume this would go straight through my digestive tract, and if I were to leave the result somewhere, Mm. it would would probably sprout new prickly pears. Okay.
1: Well, in Mexico, um, because they have such solid seeds in there and they're really wanting to use their resources in such a dry climate, they actually um, ground up the seeds and use it for making... Um, like a filler or a, to space out corn for tortillas. Um, and they use it in cakes and all sorts of things. So, the, the, the seeds? Yeah, or yeah the... the seeds. Yeah? Yeah.
0: So you, you, can you grind the seeds up or you make a flour yeah, or something? Yeah, you can
1: make a meal out of it. Oh, really? Yeah, so it's pretty cool. What's Great fatty acid profile.
0: <laughs> wow. Well, it's got sort of the texture of maybe uh, boiled potato.
1: Oh, okay. Uh, so, or,
0: soft, yeah? or fairly soft. Mm. Fairly soft. Is have you apart from peeling it? Have you done anything to this, or just the raw fruit?
1: That is the raw fruit.
0: That is. The That's ra-
1: the raw fruit all by itself. And <laughs> it's
0: not a. It's not a strong flavour.
1: Mm. So it's a little bit sweet. For me, S- it tastes like a cucumber. Yeah. Kind of, pawpaw.
0: Slightly sweet. Mm, a yeah. Tiny bit, but not not a strong. Do they vary much during the year, during the season, the the flavour, or, or from one? I would one say I they
1: flavour depends on the colour, right? So, as I said before, there's white, orange, and purple, right? And in my opinion, this is not sensory science. This is my opinion. Eating my samples, <laughs> um, they grow sweeter, so. Yeah. Um, the more p- purple fruits, in my opinion, get sweeter. Yeah. Um, where I think the white ones are a bit more flowery. Yeah. Um, for me, they're a bit more savoury. And again, they would change in nutritional composition based on their colour.
0: Ah, oh, mm. well, we're going to talk more about the nutritional content and uh, and what your research actually is. But I'm having so much fun learning about these. You see them growing around Canberra in some mm. people's backyards yeah. sometimes. And I look over the fence. I I wonder, do you know what you're actually growing? There? <laughs> and I'm going to look at them with the, in a new light here on fuzzy logic. Let's uh, let's have a little music break now. And Caroline, uh, you brought a couple of tracks in, and I've almost forgotten. Actually, this one, the first track was called uh, "Hey There Delia," and if the gods smile upon us. I will actually press the right button and here on Fuzzy Logic. We're talking prickly pears with, I guess, uh, Caroline Gauss from the University of Canberra. And I was going to pro- play you a promo f- uh, because we had uh, Nathan Dacuna and Amy Nassio on uh, Fuzzy Logic a couple of weeks ago. And... Uh, Amy and Nathan are looking for volunteers for their Car Free Me program. So look them up online. If you want to volunteer, you have a friend or yourself or a family member who's going through dementia. Uh, the Car Free Me people is a program to help people uh, help you in that situation. And so if you want to come along, uh, just do a search online and you'll find them. Now, uh, before the break, uh, Caroline, you were—we were discussing the the plant itself, and you saying how it comes from uh, South America, and then they took it to Spain.
1: A uh, little bit of both. A bit so of both. Central Latin America. It was in Spain as well, but it was introduced into Australia, and I'm studying the Australian prickly pear at the moment.
0: Right. Okay. Mm. And then it was so it was deliberately brought out because they thought, well, this will grow nicely here in the drier country.
1: There's a number of mixed reasons actually. So when the cacti was introduced into Australia, it was actually brought over to um, be used as a clothes dye. So the fruit that we're eating now is so brightly coloured, um, like a purple red. So it was used to colour the red tunics of the soldiers.
0: Ah, Mm. so if I were to spill this on my clothing now, I'm going to... Have fun getting it out. (laughs) Oh, really?
1: Yes, my lab coat is stained tie-dye pink and orange. Um.
0: (laughs) So it's a a really useful dye.
1: It is, yes. Um, And again, because there's so many different colours of the fruit, you can use it for so many different things. Um, But... Again, it was used as a clothes dye, but as also as a source of food. So it was also a vegetable, which was the leaf and source of fruit. Um, okay. Yeah, so uh, food so and dye. Do,
0: you know, do you know roughly when it came to Australia? Ooh. <laughs> quite a long time ago, like yeah, 150 a years ago, give or take. Maybe we'll look it up on uh, what.
1: Yeah, I'm not too sure at the moment. <laughs> All
0: right, well, what happened then?
1: Mm. So... Being a cacti doesn't require much maintenance. The introducers left it alone a bit and it thrived in the Australian environment, being a cacti, not requiring many resources, and it just infested prime agricultural land in New South Wales, Queensland, to the point that it was destroying agricultural businesses. It really caused havoc and the Australian community decided, no, we are going to take on this cacti. So they use all sorts of measures to try and control the cacti. Um, it's kind of silly since it's like a plant versus humans. Huh. Um, but it, it's a very hardy cacti. So they used all sorts of things. They were dousing the cacti with fuel, like petrol, um, all sorts of biological agents such as cactoblastus. Um, people were using fire to try and burn the cacti.
0: And um, it's very labour-intensive. So I imagine people going out there, it, it's it's a fairly soft plant, so you could chop it reasonably easy, I
1: guess, right? It's quite hard, actually. Oh, is it? Yeah. Um, it takes quite a bit of force to, to snap a pad of the cacti off, so the the leaf. Um, but eventually, once it was controlled, there was a um, constactor. Conservation Act placed where the Opuntia cacti was just classed as a national weed of significance. So, you know, that to grow, yeah. sell, trade the cacti at all. Yeah. And this is all with the exception of the species I'm studying, Opuntia fictus inica, which is commercially and legally sold today. Parts
0: of this multiple species? Of-
1: absolutely. So, the Apuntia, um species, it's a whole family of cacti. Um, and that's what's causing havoc in Australia—absolute havoc—and um, that's I, what makes my thesis so interesting. I, I'm yeah. just
0: still going, having a mental image of uh, some of those landscapes and these—and I've seen pictures of it. Just these things, uh, just like you said, smothering the, the whole paddock, mm. and, and going out in the field and trying to hack this thing off, and, you, and it's got those nasty spikes. Yes. So the spikes on the the body, the uh, what do you call them, the segments, the petals or the...
1: Oh, the cladode, the leaf. The,
0: yeah, those things. <laughs> it's
1: an odd name.
0: <laughs> yeah. Uh, and so you're going to wear thick gloves, it's hot, mm. and you hack the jeebus out of this bloody plant, right, and then you leave a bit lying on the ground. And it and grows you, again. And it grows again, and the, you don't get the pad out. So it's got a root... I suppose it's got quite an extensive root system under the ground too.
1: Oh, well, it's fibrous, a fibrous root, um, which is pretty cool, but... Again, the whole reason people use cacti as well in their native region, so um, Mexico, central, Latin America, was it's also used as a fencing plant oh really, so in Africa at the moment, yeah a number of um communities use it to fence their townships or communities from predators. Well it's
0: it'd be it'd be quite an intimidating barrier, wouldn't yeah, it? Yeah, I
1: mean if you're a lion, do you want to be yeah. pricked by a cacti?
0: <laughs> oh, oh.
1: So it's it's got so many uses and I think um, we do need to do research into the cacti because it has many, many resources.
0: And uh, so multiple species were brought into Australia, right? Yeah. yeah. Okay, and they went absolutely berserk. And then there's this one species. Now, is it still, which I won't try to re- repeat the name. Mm. but
1: Puntiophicus uh, indica.
0: <laughs> okay, my Latin's not that great, but... Uh, do you know what the Latin actually means, literally? Uh, would...
1: um, I think. I'm speculating here. Yeah, um, yeah. It's associated with Indian fig. So the other name for prickly pear is Indian fig.
0: Ah, okay. Yeah. Okay. right. So is that still a national weed of significance?
1: The Apuntia family is. Opuntia yes. Apuntia indica is one of the exceptions. Okay. Um, so... In specific states, there's regulations about, yes, you can have this, or no, you can't. So in Western Australia at the moment, you can't have this species. Mm -hmm. But in almost every other state, this is a go-kart. You're fine.
0: (laughs) Now, the the, the cactoblastus you mentioned is one of the great success stories of biological controls, unlike uh, there we mentioned, the cane toad. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs)
1: Shaking in my boots. (laughs) Yeah.
0: Well, they actually ask, I've got a key ring made out of a, uh, a cage. no the leather the leather is really beautiful. I mean <laughs> if I look closely at it, it's actually fairly creepy object because it, it's like a warty frog, but the leather is actually really good, mm. and I think the uh, the glands, the poison glands on their shoulders uh, have some bio-active, some useful medical properties, which I won't guarantee because I don't know, <laughs> but I think some research is being done on that. Anyway, so the cactoblastus is what? It's a grub of some sort.
1: Mm. Um, so, I think it's a grub i I think it's a grub there's quite a few um like wormed grubs beetles that have been used mm-hmm. um I think recently there was one um worked i think it was by CSIRO. I'm speculating here yeah, yeah. um and it was about to be launched, and several people within a c t in New South Wales agreed to have this on the beetle on their properties and then it was um I think the project was cut I'm not too sure ah. um Oh,
0: so it's a beetle, right, and oh, oh, the oh. dung beetle. And this dung beetle, of course, is another great success mm. story, isn't it, biological control.
1: there was so many different things. There's, like, zebra moths, um, all sorts of like white, I think it's a white grub. Yeah. Um, there's lists and lists and lists of things that have been used to try and control this cacti, And my research is more, how about we eat it?
0: <laughs> yeah, I, I keep I keep putting you off that question because I just find the plant so interesting.
1: It's it's uh, insane. It's love, <laughs> do you see why I'm so obsessed with it?
0: Oh <laughs> uh, uh, dear, listener, I wish you could see uh, Caroline's face as she says that <laughs> because uh, uh, we you, oh, we had uh, Brian Lessard on the show about a, year, a couple of years ago, and he loves flies. He works for the CSIRO. He's an entomologist, taxonomist, and he loves flies. Not so much the house flies, but the black soldier fly that is uh, used to... uh, There's a plant out here in in Fishwick, Olympia Yaga, and she's got a company called Gotera, and they take food waste and they feed the food waste to the maggots of the black soldier fly, right, and then turn it into animal feed. Ha! And it's wonderful, and I wonder
1: if it's high in protein.
0: Yeah, high protein. Yeah. And, and the black soldier fly adults, the fly itself stage, doesn't uh, eat, doesn't even have a mouth. So you'll never have it in your body We have
1: nothing in common then. <laughs>
0: <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, but uh, so there you go. That's... Uh, but they're they're a native yeah. native species. But I, I I love it when when I talk to somebody who's got a passion for something that everybody else hates. Mine? It's
1: so crazy. It's, it's like a little drama happening where there's me loving my the prickly pear and the.
0: We should do t-shirts t- or something, Caroline. What do you reckon? I uh, would love to. I, you do.
1: I would love to. Um, oh, I, I've, I've, I've trying done. Trying to... I've done
0: quite a few t-shirt designs in my time. So, we uh, let, let's do a t-shirt. I yeah. love a, a good prickly pear, and we'll do a nice image and everything like yeah, that.
1: Yeah. Or. Um, someone in a boxing ring versus a cacti.
0: (laughs) (laughs) And she's got to do something. I mean,
1: this is how crazy the situation is in Australia with this hate for the cacti and how much we could actually benefit from using it.
0: Well, uh, we're we're definitely going to talk more about that, but uh, uh, you also remind me of uh, one of the very first interviews I did on Fuzzy Logic way back when I was a little boy And uh, Phil Bradbury, his name is, and he's a prominent person in the uh, community in Canberra because he's the European wasp control person. And I I really enjoyed talking to Phil, uh, but the European wasp is a really, really nasty pest. And I don't think there's anything good you can do with a European wasp.
1: Well, maybe we could give it to the fly guys and they can eat it for protein.
0: <laughs> oh, I don't know. Maybe you can. I, I, I've nuked two of the nests around our home recently mm. and my wife just got stung by one and they have a really big nasty wheel. Phil told me on air about somebody who was riding a horse down in the Dinner Plain Creek or down in the Victorian Alps and his horse disturbed the wasp nest. Ooh. And these things were just going for them, and uh, he bolted and ran and jumped into a creek and got, went under the water, and then he came up and the wasp was still buzzing around him. I don't know how many stings this guy got. Went down, held his breath. Uh, not in that order. <laughs> <laughs> and when he came up, the wasps had left, but his horse had disappeared into the into the scrub.
1: Oh, no. Yeah,
0: it was awful. And then he did find it, but the wasp killed the horse. <gasps> I know, but yes, can you imagine an animal the size of a horse being killed by wasps? It's just horrendous. Mm. But
1: they're thriving in Australia.
0: (laughs) But the prickly pear, the Mm. prickly pear has good things here. Uh, Talking now to uh, Caroline Gauss from the University of Canberra, and you're doing your research into the wondrous thing called the prickly pear. I think we might break to a little song track and uh, when we come back let's talk about some of the happy things to do with uh, Prickly Pears here on Fuzzy Logic and a bit of music to live in your day here on Fuzzy Logic and if I'm not mistaken that was pink wasn't it?
1: Yes it was. (laughs) And
0: my guest Caroline Gauss from the University of Campbell. We were bopping away in the studio here on 2XX. By the way please uh, subscribe to 2XX because it costs a lot of money to keep us going and we're just a little volunteer organisation. I'm going to double my fees which is double zero and... Oh, don't forget we have uh, our Ask Fuzzy column. And do you know, in uh, a few months, about two or three months' time, we are going to have our ninth anniversary of Ask Fuzzy that runs each Sunday in the Canberra Times. And today's column is about lithium, uh, lithium recycling. And do you know that the lithium batteries uh, in Australia don't get recycled, or the lithium itself does not? Uh, d- uh, some of the metals do but the, uh, the lithium itself is just lost.
1: I'm actually a bit shocked I think we need to really yeah. treasure our resources Yeah.
0: well they're, they're working on ways to, to capture it which is now of all time would be a really good idea since mm. there's so much of the stuff used and we've got uh, next week will be about the renewable energy grid, what does that look like with uh, Dr Mark Diesendorf who's a, an expert in renewable energy and I'm having a bit of fun writing a article about core flute. Core flute, you know those political signs that are popping up everywhere.
1: Uh, the... Is that what it's called? Okay. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, those plastic signs. It's called core flute.
1: Ah, okay. Uh,
0: now I didn't write this into the column, but uh, I'm told that a core flute is also American slang for fart.
1: <laughs> oh, let's not confuse them.
0: <laughs> we, we, which is which is quite possible, but uh, I couldn't validate that, so I didn't actually write it in. Anyway, uh, we're talking uh, we're talking about a prickly pear, which is now officially my oh maybe not my f- favourite, but uh, it's now on my list of fruits that I'm definitely going to keep.
1: Give me a few more minutes.
0: <laughs> <laughs> we're, we're working on it. Can you you buy it at the markets? Uh.
1: You can. Um, So the fruit is becoming more popular. Um, Currently in Australia, there's two commercial farms that do grow the fruit. So Uh there's one in Sydney um, at Leppington Valley. And there's a really, really big um, commercial farm in Victoria called Chiron Health Products. Um, And they're interested in really promoting research of the Australian prickly pear. Um, and again, like their products are making it to small fruit shops and I'm, even now I'm finding some in the shops and I have to obviously well, take where, where do you with get it. your
0: <laughs> for, for your work where do you get where do you source your fruit?
1: Me um, I personally source it from Chiron Health Products in Victoria. Oh, okay, so yep. they're organic fruit. Yep. Um, and I've studied the location variations of the fruit um, based on nutritional and bioactive compounds. Um, Just to see which location has the highest compound that we're interested in. Uh, Okay. Now Uh I've been
0: putting you off. uh, Just get you to move your microphone in a little bit. There we go. That's good. Uh, I've been putting you off talking about your actual research because. uh, See how
1: hard that is.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, uh, 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 the plant is such a wonderful thing. It is. Uh, And I'm looking at another piece of fruit here, and I'm gonna I'm gonna chow that down. I, I think. Caroline, do I have to eat this all before I go, or do I get it? Anyway.
1: You can have the rest. It's fine. <laughs> I, I,
0: I'll eat it all. Now, your research. What what are you doing in your PhD research?
1: Well, it's a very topical area at the moment. So in Australia, there's one school of thought where people hear the word prickly pear, and they scream devil cacti or devil fruit. And then the other side is um, we have this really low-resource-intensive crop, um, and in other countries, it's been used as traditional medicine. Mm-hmm. So, our report process that you see is let's use this fruit, let's use this crop. So, um, the fruit has a couple of problems itself. It's a fresh fruit and it has a season, as of any other fruit like apples. So, we need to preserve this fruit. Uh,
0: what's the shelf life?
1: It's probably about a month or two. Mm-hmm. Um so we're very lucky to have some in April at the moment. Yes, it's <laughs> a fresh fruit. Um so what my research does is we look at the antioxidant and bioactive content. So we believe that these compounds are health promoting in various different reasons uh, for various different reasons. Um so I won't go into that at the moment, but we've looked at different ways to process the fruit in ways that help the agricultural stakeholders. So there's some very small farms that grow the fruit.
0: Oh, so just to interrupt, the, mm-hmm. uh, the, how to grow it better? You mean, is that what you...
1: How to process it. How to... So how to get this fruit to consumers when uh, some of the consumers believe it's a devil fruit and some of them don't know what it is. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of room to explore because we should be using this crop Um so we've looked at different ways to process the fruit to preserve the content. So we've had some very topical um, publications lately where we've looked at drying methods, so just household methods such as ovens, dehydrators, um all sorts of things, freeze-dry is the gold standard, and we've also branched off into juicing methods where we've looked at um, blender-style processing to juicer-style processing, um, even the topic cold press juicer, and we looked at how um, these methods affect or preserve nutritional content. Okay, or... so
0: I guess mm. there's a few strands out there. So there's pr- preservation, and then there's also how to present it. How to make it appealing to yes. the consumer,
1: and how we process it needs to be practical for the stakeholders in Australia.
0: Yeah. Right, so it's got to be cost-effective and so on. Absolutely,
1: and, so on. and yeah. this is all to avoid the current situation where there's mountains of this fruit that doesn't actually require many resources. It's hardy. It may benefit uh, may benefit Australian population health. It's tasty, um, all that kind of stuff. But at the moment, it currently goes to food waste. So we need to go through this method of finding products that are Australians like, will use, beneficial for health content, um, and all that kind of stuff. So we've looked at nutritional analysis. We've quantified what's in it. And we're about to move on to clinical trials because... The whole reason that we're looking into this crop is because of its traditional medicine use. I would have
0: thought that uh, presenting like I've just been eating, and in fact I've left bits of red all over the studio.
1: Tie dye, it's fine.
0: Uh, <laughs> uh, and you very you very thoughtfully brought in a tea towel, which is, which is great. So I could I could I could mop up now. <laughs> but I would have thought uh, it's not a big leap to eating these fruit. They they look good. They, mm. they taste good. And you're about to tell me about how they, they're good for you as well. But it's got to be a lot easier than getting people to eat insects, for example, because that's that's got the, the yuck factor. There's no, to me, I can't see any yuck factor at all in eating these things.
1: That's exactly the point. So <laughs> it baffles me that some of the population has heard about this infestation and they're not willing to even try the fruit. Yeah. So it just goes to waste. And I think if it is using land in Australia and it is using a tiny bit of resources, we should be using it. We have these natural resources that we can use for food, dye, um, promotion of health. In our population, we should be using it instead of letting it go to food waste, which costs the economy billions. The stuff's
0: already growing here prolifically. You don't need
1: need to do anything. You You don't need need to to do anything.
0: It just just, just grows. But uh, 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 I guess though, if you're a farmer, you say you're a wheat farmer next door, you've got a a prickly pear crop going, mm. you might you mightn't be so keen on it.
1: That's fair enough. If your business is wheat, then yeah. stick to wheat. Then yeah. yeah. Um, it's definitely one of those crops that we could definitely utilise in Australia for non-productive land or really um, drought-stricken regions, so it can also be used for animal fodder. Um, and again, there is potential to make this crop a major export of Australia. It's It's that impactful, and we could use it to even... This is a really broad broad statement here, but we could even use it to close the gap in food insecurity or world hunger. Well, it's really important. Well, when you look at the, the,
0: the population growth around the world, we need to find things to eat.
1: Absolutely. And things
0: have grown in dry land. So I was interviewing a, a climate researcher, uh, I saw the Will Stephan or Mark Howden, mm. not long ago, and they were telling me that the climate of Melbourne is going to be the climate of Maury. if climate change continues ah. on its current, which is pretty pretty nasty. So stuff that grows productively on arid land, mm. uh, it would be a, a really good thing. Now, the nutrition. <laughs> Let, let's, let's finally talk about the nutrition. You mentioned antioxidants. Mm. Uh, let's just do a little antioxidant 101.
1: Okay, so... What we are interested within the prickly pear are secondary plant metabolites. So how the plant lives and its byproducts 101. (laughs) Um, So we're interested in bioactive compounds. So you might know a few of them just thrown around in, I guess, the health food trends at the moment, such as phenols, flavanols, carotenoids, all kinds of things. Um, So we're interested in bioactive compounds that have antioxidant effects.
0: Can I, can I just, just pause you from over mm. there and you've used the technical term bioactive. Mm,
1: biologically active Biological compounds. Biologically
0: active. So, so they uh, do
1: things. So
0: there are things that are not biologically active. So if I ate
1: So s- they're in materials, plant materials or human Well, I'm looking at plant bioactive compounds, so um, well, I guess things well, if that I, transfer if I,
0: electrons. Ate, uh, <laughs> if I ate a teaspoon of sand, right, the sand would just go straight through me and it would have it wouldn't interact with the chemistry of my body. Mm. Right. So it's something that's uh, bioactive. It it then is active. Yes. In... So
1: it transfers electrons at some point.
0: <laughs> oh, okay. Mm. So you got some nice electrons. Okay.
1: Yeah, buzzing. <laughs>
0: right, no, I know. I interrupted mm. you. So you were you, carotenoids and other, a whole family of, of yeah. chemicals?
1: So they're class in all different hierarchies I typically use um, classification by chemical structure which is we won't go into that at the moment um, but basically some of these compounds have antioxidant effects so they scavenge free radicals, they stop any bad radicals from causing damage <laughs> basically um, and there's a lot of theories to go around on how um, antioxidants promote health or stop Damage, um, And that's kind of following that trend, and that's uh, commonly accepted.
0: Uh, Sorry. So, and to interrupt you again now, you, a- antioxidants, right, so free radicals.
1: Mm-hmm. Now, so they would oxidize, so we're anti-oxidation.
0: Yeah, that's right, yeah. So my understanding, tell me if I've got this correct, but in the process of burning sugars in your body, uh, not sugars, no, she's shaking her head, but, well, okay, but your body produces the free radicals, mm. which then are like a bit of the the louts at the bus stop to go and spray painting the walls. And yeah,
1: we don't want those bad, yeah. bad people.
0: <laughs> all right, so can you correct me where, where I was going wrong about free radicals? So generally
1: when you're living your day-to-day life and yeah. you're breathing and eating and all that kind of stuff, you will naturally produce radicals. Yep. So... We want to stop damage to, I guess, cells or genes, it, et cetera. Right, so it, yeah. it, it, it's such a complex topic. Okay. Um, but the whole general idea why we're looking at the prickly pear is because we know in other countries it's reported to have a very high bioactive content. And in Australia, we're studying that. So there's very little research around that. And we know that um, when we, so far, we look at different locations we can get different profiles so some locations have really high contents of some things mm-hmm. and really low contents of other things so we can manipulate um we want this fruit with this high compound and we can use that and we can go investigate um this compound's effects or the fruits effects in humans based on that
0: okay so you you're feeding your research participants mm. the, the lovely fruit you just the raw fruit
1: I'm using a juice. Oh, okay. So with yep. my previous juice study, I looked at how it preserves the content, and we went with the um, highest juice yield, actually. <laughs> um, and we're going to look at the blood lipid lowering effects of the fruit. So, uh, so blood, pets? Yes, so cholesterols, triglycerides, etc., cetera, and we're going to pair that with some physiological responses. Um, and we'd like to see if potentially, maybe, <laughs> we have to still get the evidence, if we can use a glass of juice instead of a pharmaceutical product like a statin on cardiovascular disease risk factors. Oh, okay. Wouldn't that be amazing if we can ma- move this weed to a medical so... compound? <laughs> Okay, so
0: uh, a, a prickly pear-a-day keeps the doctor away, we we hope. If we hope. We hope. Yeah. How much work has been done around the world already on this sort of thing?
1: Oh, mountains of it. So it goes through trends, um, 1960s, 80s, was huge, kind of dropped off a bit, and in the last probably 10 years it's starting to build up. Mm-hmm. But within Australia, I think it was 19... 19- 60s, I think it was, was the first kind of analysis in prickly pear. And that looked at um, macronutrients, so nutritional content, so fiber and protein, and kind of just touched on that. So we've kind of gone into a new field, um, which is, I guess, more topical at the moment, where antioxidants and bioactive compounds um, and standardizing the fruit and its effects based on that.
0: Ah, uh, mm-hmm. it, it reminds me of uh, the other researcher who I've interviewed a couple of times on Fuzzy Logic, uh, Dr. Nenet Hmm.
1: Yeah, so I've worked with him in the past. He's yeah. exceptional, he's amazing.
0: <laughs> yes, I, I've really enjoyed uh, interviewing Nenet. Now, uh, but his research was on green tea mm, and, yeah. and I think uh, as I recall him telling me that uh, you'd have to drink about 50 litres of green tea a day
1: Absolutely um, so he was studying a compound called L-theanine and its effects in humans um, so he's just He's got this amazing knowledge of everything, and he can apply nutrition, food science, research to industry and make it practical. It's he's a pleasure to work with. Yeah.
0: So, where, where do you? Oh, what got you into this uh, field, uh, Caroline? So, wh- why did you get interested in the prickly? You've obviously got a passion for it.
1: <laughs> I love food. <laughs> um, so, at the moment, well in the past I've always been interested in the effects of food so when I first started I wanted to be a dietitian and I went through my undergrad and honors going oh I'm going to be a clinician I'm going to be a clinician and found out that I'm really fascinated um about the food science food technology wet lab kind of stuff um so I I just admire the fact or the history of traditional medicine. Um, which seems like the hippie woo-woo crystal mm-hmm. stuff. Mm-hmm. But um all of our common medicines now all come from traditional medicines, so active compounds within a plant, say. And moving into like Weed research, if you will, (laughs) not the smoke it weed, but um, hazard weed,
0: (laughs) yeah. Well, the the fascinating story you've been telling us about the it's
1: insane about the plant itself, it's almost comical. (laughs) (laughs) Um, so I'm just really interested that we can use something in our everyday life, like a breakfast food or a fruit, and promote our health or um. And reduce the risk of a disease benefit or something of eating,
0: uh, I, I always uh, hesitate when we say the we nat- the use the word natural uh, because on one hand it's sort of got a, like I think you were hinting a slightly fluffy, airy yeah. stemming with the dolphin's crystal kind of thing, it's, <laughs> it, it's natural it must be good, but well, we're all made of chemicals, right, hmm. which is but versus the uh, the extract thing, so if you put it into a pill it's got to be better for you, but Getting something that just nature gives us. Uh, yeah. And we're, well, we're eating.
1: <laughs> well, I think it's, um, that's the cool thing about nutrition. We, well, nutritionists and dietitians work with everyday foods that we have access to. And if we can change something in a diet using, like, eating an extra apple instead of popping 10 tablets. We can have such an impact by just changing, like having an apple, well, and you yeah. have the
0: experience of eating it as well. I mean, I, I, I can, the
1: pleasure, the taste, yeah. the sweetness, the community that you eat with, the environment you with, um, yeah. the experience, oh. the taking the time out to Well that's to right. eat, and, yeah, and,
0: and all those those things that happen when you share something with another person. I, I, I vaguely remember, and I'm, I'm probably completely wrong here, but. Uh, a diet where people just took pills and they worked out all the nutrients you needed and they just took them as i'm probably making this up
1: you but see it on tv all the time it's some people actually think that's what you should be doing you know it's i mean it depends on your health goals obviously yeah, but
0: it's actually a really yeah. unhealthy thing to do right
1: i think when you subscribe to that kind of Diet of just supplements. You forget about the social aspect of food and why we love and enjoy food. Yeah,
0: and yeah. It's the ultimate uh, reductionist approach. Well, mm. I'm, I'm going to have a glass of uh, dihydrogen monoxide when we finish. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we don't have time. But uh, well, briefly, maybe. Did you see that there was a thing on Twitter? Oh yes, quickly. We're running out of time. The Australian Society of Medical Research. We've got uh, a minute.
1: Okay, quick pitch. Um, so if you are still interested in prickly pear research, nutritional compounds and health benefits, um, the work will be showcased at the local Australian Society of Medical Research Forum. So there's a new investigator forum specifically targeted to uh, honours, PhD and postdoc slash early researcher um and researchers at the moment and that's the 6th of June where it's held at the John Curtin Medical School. So it's open to most universities and research institutes in ACT and you'll be showcasing oral presentations, keynote speakers and posters with the Sundowner event at the end. So there's a really inclusive, um, supportive environment for yeah, students. and I came
0: along last year. It was a wonderful thing and uh, I really enjoyed going along to that. Well, I've got to go. Running, i running ha <laughs> <laughs>